Hello and welcome to Boothcast. On Boothcast, I speak to people who inspire me about sport, business and the winning mindset. Boothcast is brought to you by Booth Training. Um, if you want to find out more, www.michael-booth.com.au. Today's guest is the, I guess, the Corey Hill before the Corey Hill um, of surf ski paddling. Um, Tim Jacobs is a guy I looked up to a hell of a lot when I was going through and starting paddling. He was uh, the guy that I actually never beat in an ocean ski race, which is like the only person actually in the fields of my time that I never beat. So he's got that, he's got that sort of thing on me and I, I could never even get it back and always killed me, but it was um, always yeah, nice to race against him. He's a, he's a six time or seven time winner of the 20 beaches. He's won the doctor twice. He won the Dubai Shamal a couple of times as well. So it's a very esteemed paddler. He's an Olympic coach. He's done a hell of a lot of stuff in paddling and it's great to catch up with him after a long time. So Tim, mate, thanks so much for coming on. That's right, Boothy. Well done holding it together this time. That yeah. Was the first time we started to that. Yeah. Yeah. You were yeah. just making me crack up. It's like dealing with a child, as you said. Yeah, that is, mate. That's what my attention span. I needed. I needed stimulation. Yeah, I absolutely. Otherwise, so what's um what's been going on, mate? I think you stopped paddling in about two thousand. Well, not stopped paddling completely, but stopped probably racing on the scene about two thousand and fifteen. Probably that would be correct. Like, what have you been doing uh, since then? Yeah, maybe I did a couple of twenty beaches, like some local, just the local twenty because it was in my own backyard. Since then, I yeah. think, but yeah, didn't really travel after one of the. Maybe one of the Hong Kong races, I think, was sort of my last hurrah. Yeah, I was coaching coaching until 2017 with the New South Wales Institute of Sport and then uh, got out of that sort of, you know, that was just a bit of a career change for a little for a little while and then got back into the building game. So I've been building full time since 2017. So, yeah, so you're flat out building now, but um, let's go back a little bit and find out a little bit about you as a kid. Like, did you grow up in the surf club scene? Were you a paddler as a kid? Did you do different sports? I think your brother was a triathlete. Like, were you doing that? Like, what was your yeah. what was your background? Um, well, no skeletons in the closet if that's what you're fishing for. <laughs> but um, no, growing up, uh, swimming was my background. So I wasn't that great at the pool, in the pool swimming. I was better at long distance swimming. So I did open water swimming. I actually won two Australian championships for that. I think I was like 16 and 17 in the open water 8K event. And then from there, just got into the clubbies. And then, yeah, just sort of doing all the Ironman races, some Ironman events, just the local ones. Um, and then, yeah, got into the ski paddling at about the age of 17. So probably a bit of a late starter compared to a lot of people. But then at some point, probably early, 20, probably around 2019, yeah, probably around 19, I got sick of, sort of sitting on the beach all day, just doing a couple of races like they do for surf life saving. And um, yeah, seeing Gardner and Leachy, they're running a few events and Dean was paddling and stuff. So I was my always better at more endurance based event. And sort of that was, it was just something that appealed to me more the long, the long endurance races. So getting on a ski and going for like 16K or 24K was was great i knew what the race was i could just turn up do the race then i could get out of there i didn't have to hang around on the beach all day so yeah a lot of a lot appealed to me in terms of of what i was more suited for and also just in terms of yeah it was good it was entertaining it was the the backdrop where your paddle was different the conditions were always different you were going different places and traveling yeah it was pretty good while you, while i was young 
So do you remember your first surf ski or ocean ski race? Do you remember where, where you did that and, and what sort of got you down on the start line that day? Was it was it because Bleachy and, and um, Dino were running events at that stage? Was that the men's health series uh, or something like that? Oh, no, it was before that. It was like a Sydney, I think Sydney Open Water sponsored it. So, yeah, I think the first big race I did, yeah, I think it was the Sydney Open Water Classic and it was down at um, Manly. So it was called the King of the Harbour in those days. And yeah, you start at Manly Beach, paddle around into the harbour and back. And I think I was third as like a, you know, maybe like a 19-year-old or something. I remember Bags, I think, won it. He was he won it and can't remember some other Olympian was second and I was third. It was like, oh, shit, that's, that's not bad. Just having yeah. a go at this. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll see how I go. Not that far behind. Yeah, and then was it was it like, was it those type of guys you're racing sort of throughout that sort of surf ski career was... So like was it Bags and, and Clinton, like maybe Jeremy yeah. and those guys, or Dino was probably still racing then? Like who were your main competition? Yeah. Main guy, yeah, those guys like Dino. Dino's been around, yeah, longer than I have. Um, yeah, Jeremy was a really good competitor. He got into it like he did Ironman for a while and then got into the surf skis. Um, yeah, Bags was always around. There was a few other Olympians. Clint was always coming up to some big events. Stuff like that. Dave Castain, the old dog, he was always yeah. he was around. Um, yeah, I suppose they were sort of the main ones that would sort of, yeah, that were that were there at all the major races. And did you have like when would you say your first win was? Like what year was it? Can you see us a bit of context into like so when you were twenty? That was geez, twenty three years ago, right? <laughs> yeah, at least. Yeah, I'm forty three, yeah. mate. I'm an old dog. I'm always yeah, know. your father. I know. You behave. Yeah, um, too old. I think oh, it was probably back in like like back in like '99. I think. Do you remember that? Were you born then? 1999. I was. I was eight. I was eight. I was doing nippers still. I was actually doing the Wade relays. I think I was a gold. I think I was a gold medallion holder in the Wade relay with Caves Beach back in '99. So Mate, that's something I can remember. Your leg. There is no way your legs got you in a Wade relay. Maybe an ankle relay or something like that. But it wasn't <laughs> all, I, all I can say is I wasn't carrying the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So from yeah, from like 1999, I think I had sort of like a breakthrough win, and then like it's always your first. Your first win's always your hardest. Once you know, once you've won, I always felt you knew the recipe and you knew what it took to win. And then sort of after that, it became easier because you knew all the elements that you had to put together and the mindset that you needed and how hard you actually had to work to actually be in front of everyone. So it's not like, oh, you know, I think I can do it. And if I just do this little bit, I'll be all right. But it, it is, you've really got to, bust your balls and you find out how hard you can push yourself and then yeah if you find yourself in front yeah like i said all those elements come together and you know you know what it takes to win yeah i think that's sort of a paramount to any sort of athlete you've got to know a that you, you can win but know that i guess your preparation that's led you into that potential to actually to win the race and do you think that growing up doing swimming and surf lifesaving and those sports where you had to kind of do a lot of work, do a lot of kilometers in the pool, like every morning, like two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon or whatever you were doing as a kid. Do you think that sort of helped you be that better endurance ski paddler coming into your twenties? Nah, pushy parents, mate. They used to just drop, they used to just drop me down the coast and say, find your, with the ski and say, find your own way home. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. It was sort of, yeah, one of those, I was quite self-motivated. So it wasn't like I didn't need people around. Like, as, as you know, like swimming, you'd, um, yeah, your head's in a bucket. So there's no one talking to you the whole time and telling you to do this and do that. So like you'd get tips, you'd get stuff off the coach. But yeah, it's very, you've got to be self-motivated to do those endurance events because you do spend a lot a lot of time on your own. So um, yeah, I was quite motivated to get out there and do it on my own without too many people around. I definitely had some awesome tra- like sparring partners over the years to train with and they helped me um, yeah, just unimagined, like just amazing guys to train with. But yeah, you need that self motivation to get up, to get up and keep going again, even when you're tired and stuff. So yeah, I think yeah, the long distance swimming helped into the sport, and then going into the surf lifestyle and getting on a ski and just having that freedom of being actually able to get out in the ocean, see it from a different perspective, where most people only see the ocean from the land looking out like where you get on a ski and you'd be able to see it from the ocean looking in, which is quite amazing because you paddle around some amazing like headlands and environments that we do. So yeah, it was good. It was motivating in itself to get out there and do it and see how good you good I could actually be, I suppose. So would you say that ski paddling is a spiritual thing for you? <clears throat> or it was? No, mate, I'm an atheist. Hey. I believe in myself. Yeah, but the, the, ocean, the, ocean is, the ocean is your religion then, right? Uh, I think doing something, like, especially now, yeah. Like, back then, yeah, it was pretty awesome to get out there and do something. I think I was quite competitive. So, it's not like I didn't have anything to, I didn't want to, like, I wasn't one of those people that said, like, oh, you know, I've got to prove myself. But I was actually quite driven and quite competitive with, within myself. So, and I loved doing it. It was just awesome to get out there. So. Yeah, well, and, and then when you're talking about your sparring partners that you, you sort of really push you to that next level. Like I know, um, I guess one time, like, like one period of my life when I was starting to ocean ski paddle, I know Jeremy Cotter was like a really big sparring partner for me, sort of taught me to like sort of get on his wash and hold him and then try and race mm. him in periods and, and that type of thing. Did you have any like older guys that you were sort of looking up and inspiring to sort of keep up with or was it just always that you had like a little squad of a group of guys that you trained with? Yeah, we had a pretty odd, we used to get on down at the Spit Bridge early mornings. Like some of these guys were phenomenal. Like they followed me. I reckon I was, I was pretty nuts, but they followed me. So I reckon they're crazy in me. Like I'd say we're getting on the water at 4.15 tomorrow morning for a session because we've got to punch out like 26K. And like there'd be eight guys turning up. It's like, that's ridiculous. So yeah. they were all doing it. But yeah, standouts were like Mark Anderson and Nick Holt. They were the good ones that really drove me in good influence as well so um but yeah we had a really good squad down there for a few years down at the spit dino would come along and there'd be a few other older guys as well that were getting into it and for themselves yeah their paddling was improving so they loved it too and you were getting up to go at 4:15. was that because you were you're working as a builder at that stage like is this like we're talking about yeah. like in your 20s yeah 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 so then yeah you had to be at work by quarter to seven so you just had to fit training around work yeah, well, yeah, yeah, silly, silly hours, mate. Silly hours, yeah. The <laughs> fellas over here get on the water at uh, five thirty in the middle of winter, and you do the whole session in the dark, and then you're getting off, and the sun's rising. And you're like, eh, it's kind of nice at yeah. the end, but the whole time you just you can't see. And I guess, yeah. I guess if, if you're paddling down at the spit, you'd be on the harbour, and I don't think the ferries run at that time, yeah. so you would have been all right. 
Yeah, the hub. Yeah, the hub is the hub was nice to paddle in in the dark, but mate, it's so much more enjoyable to paddle in the light. Yeah. Now these days, it's got to be fair weather if I get it. I haven't paddled for for probably a year, I reckon, maybe. But if I did get on, oh, it has to be fair weather. It has to be light. I've got to see where I'm going. Yeah. No. And there has to be someone there I can talk rubbish with. <laughs> yeah, that's the main part of ski paddling, right? Because yeah. you're talking about swimming and being, your head being in a bucket. Well, ski paddling has always been so social for me. Like at any stage, you can start just having a conversation. And even this year, when I haven't been training as specifically, I've been just going to train to catch up with people, and it's been great. Yeah, and that's yeah, and that's what it, that's what it's all about. I think just having that good squad and those mates around you. You can, even though you might not talk too much during the session, but there's always that BS you can talk before and afterwards and stuff like that. So do, do you miss it anyway? You say you haven't paddled for over a year now. Like, is there, is there any inkling that you, you sort of jump on a ski? Like, I know you've jumped, I think you jumped into 20 beaches last year and had a paddle. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I did that. That was all, yeah, I had a couple of good mates to paddle with, like, leading into that. And it was like, oh, well, it's a local event. I'll have a crack. And yeah, sort of surprised myself with a, with a couple of results in that one. But yeah, that was it. It was sort of like, oh, that's enough. It's the last hurrah. But what did you end up finishing yeah. in that race? Uh, I think I was fifth the last time it was run and yep. third before that. That's the one you were talking up saying you were going to get me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It must've been like 2016 or something. And you were right there too. And I just couldn't get you. And I was like, Oh my God, this is going to kill me. Uh, and you retired. You're not racing again. Yeah. Mate, I came up. I was older than you guys. You guys were all fit. I'd done like six weeks of training. I was like, that'll do. And then, yeah. No, don't remind no, me. I just had no right. excuse. Yeah, the old dog. The old dog. That's what you are now. So let's talk about <laughs> some of some of the uh, the bigger races. Let's go through the Dubai Shamal. Like that was a, I guess the, I hit the last year. I think the last year must have been 2010 or 2011. And I sort of, I think it might have been two or three years that they ran it. And it was kind of like mm. the biggest race in surf ski, right? This isn't going back like nearly 10, 12 years now. And I had like 130,000 yeah. US dollars on, on the prize purse. Like I think first was like 25 grand US and was this big, big sort of spectacle in this vacuum. I remember, I think the second year or the third year you must have done it, you had the, the GoPro come off going out. Um, oh, yeah, that annoyed the hell out of me. I remember that you one. just yelling about it. Yeah, but let's go through Let's go through your, your first two and, and the victories. I think you won the first two and then Ben Allen won the last one. Um, yeah, can you so, talk us yeah, I think, yeah, go on. Oh, just talk us through the scene then. Yeah, so it was good. So, so the really, the, run, the race was run by expats. So the South African expats, Aussie expats that were living in Dubai. And for the first year it was run, no one else knew about it except the South Africans. So Oscar and David Mock went over there and cleaned house. And it was like, oh, and next thing you know, we sort of find out there's been this race. It's got 20 grand US on it. First prize. And we're like, what the hell? It's like, we want a bit of that. So next year we went, David won it again. And yeah, I got in, Hank was second, I was third. So yeah, it would have been back in, 09 maybe i think that one and this then must have started in 07 then yeah and then the following year i won it where we paddled from the palm and then i won it again the following year that wasn't as good because the gfc hit so the cash went down but then i don't do it for the cash and uh, <laughs> whatever you tell yourself yeah, yeah and then ben allen won it in a pair of sluggos yeah, I know that one. That was amazing. That is the that's the still the best image I've ever seen. 
Yeah, he's yeah, just an ass in Fargo. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you? Especially in that heat, it was just like a, it was just like him coming in. I think he's claiming it. In I think he's got to think. Who knows? Uh, he's got his yeah. sluggos yeah. on, just getting cooked. Yeah, just the good old Aussie. Aussie clubby, just going, yeah, this is what we're paddling when we paddle our surf skis at home. We paddle in our dickies. And yeah. he wanted in his dickies. Everyone else was in the bike pants or whatever. And it was, yeah, it was awesome. He's bringing so back like Molokai good. circa the 80s and 90s, just sluggos and, yeah. and sunnies and, and just the drink bottle between your legs, right? Yeah, that's right. And just coming out with third degree burns afterwards. <laughs> so, yeah, but it was good. like, on, it was an awesome race. They put on the guys that ran it put on an awesome event. Like they really made everyone feel welcome. There was always accommodation with the expats. So I'd love having it there. And yeah, honestly, the, the best paddlers in the world turn up. Like all these Olympians were turning up to do the event as well, just because there was so much cash on it and the sponsors wanted to have them there. So you'd have Olympic gold medalists like Kenny Wallace was there. There was Eric Ferris Larson and numerous other kind like European kayakers. And then, um, yeah. And then just, us the punters it sort of like seemed a bit weird even it was just like well we're competing against these guys who won olympic gold medals so yeah well it must have been pretty cool to have that sort of depth of field yeah yeah that's right so for that yeah it was probably the biggest race we've had in terms of the profile of the athlete that was there across the board from flat water to injure to surf ski to marathon kayak so, yeah, it's yeah, pretty, it was, it was it's been cool incredible. And then to win that, what was that like? Obviously, at the time, it was kind of like winning the biggest race in the sport because it would have been, I guess, the money tends to draw the best athletes, as you're talking about the different demographics of paddlers mm. coming together to race each other. And that would have been pretty cool to sort of put your name on that trophy twice. Yeah, it was, it was probably the only race where I sort of got a little bit emotional and choked up a little bit when I called Renee afterwards because it was like, holy shit, it's like, Renee, I've won. It was like, I didn't really sink in. I was like, I was so pumped. It was really, yeah, it was awesome. It was a great one. So yeah, like I said, probably the only one I've choked up a little bit when I called home to tell her I'd won that one. So yeah. Yeah, well, it just shows how much it meant to you. And it just shows like the sort of the, I don't know, the esteem that you get let in. I guess it, for someone like me, who was just starting so at the time and seeing you cross the line first, I think it must've been the first year I even knew about the sport, knew about the event. Yeah. I was like, oh, geez, Tim's like the, the best in the world, right? Because it wasn't necessarily, there wasn't actually actually probably a world championships at that stage. Like you had the big events like the Doctor and 20 Beaches and uh, like a few different mm-hmm. events around the world. But that one was when it just drew, drew everybody before we sort of had a world championship. So yeah, it must have been yeah, great yeah. to win that one. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, and then you've won many sort of other races. I know you were pretty dominant in Hong Kong as well a few years. Like how many... How many times did you win that? When was the first year you went over to race in the Hong Kong uh, Dragon Run? Twice. Probably about the same time, around 09. There was a period where I think it might have been like maybe 10 and 11 where I went over and travelled and did Hong Kong. Then we went to Dubai and then we had the doctor. And for two years running, I won all three of those races. So that was, yeah, that was pretty good. I thought that was a good run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think one year I got I got on my first podium. It must have been 2013, and I think it was you, myself, and who was that? Who was the other third place? I can see the image, but I can't remember where who it was. Is it Hong Kong? Where at? Okay. I think it was Jeremy. Oh, probably Jezza. Jezza was up there for a few. Years. He was all. Jezza was always up there when he went there. Yeah. 
yes that was always a good race for me but so when you were doing that and you're sort of winning those three events and i guess it was still quite good prize money um even back then for those three events i think hong kong probably had about five grand the doctor had about five grand and then you had or 20 grand or 10 grand or whatever it ended up being for the dubai shamal so i guess it was kind of like a hobby that sort of was turning into a job at the same time right um not real i never saw it as a job because like i was always working so it was more of a passion and i think that's what what kept me going because i didn't i did it because i loved it it wasn't like i've got to get up to do this because there's a race coming up and you know i need the prize money to i need this prize money to come in to pay the pay my mortgage or something like that it was always like well i'm working that's what that's what i loved about the sport is you could travel you could meet new people and stuff like that you travel to the like through sport you go to the places that you just don't go on a regular holiday mm. so it's awesome in that regard and then you would have some yeah i had some good sponsors along the way that would help me get there and stuff in terms of mellow and um yeah and the prize money was just a bonus yeah. So it was never like, oh, stressed that I didn't win or anything like that. It was like, that was a great race, had a great time, picked up a bit of prize money along the way. What a bonus. Life's great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you're just going, I guess, yeah, you're going, you're going to paddle with your mates, you're experiencing new things, you're having fun, and then you get to like hurt yourself for an hour, an hour and a half, and then you finish and you have like some beers with everybody and you're sort of having a good time and I guess it's just kind yeah, of like a bit of an escape, right? Like it's, it's just something that I really enjoyed. Yeah, like same thing with you talk about um, surf life saving, sitting on the beach the whole time to do two events. That's something that just drew me to, to surf ski initially because like, oh, I get to start at three o'clock and I finished at 4.30 and then I get to have drinks everyone, then I get to go home the next yeah. day. Like how good is that? Yeah, I know. It's just that bit more freedom. It's, yeah. It's just, yeah, it was good. And like you said, the mates were awesome. Traveling around with the boys was, was awesome. Yeah. So it was yeah, good because like, like guys that you train with in your squad, they'd go and race as well. So it was good. Yeah. And did you have any like uh, memories from Hong Kong where you were just like, oh, that was like a cracking race or I had to go dueling with anybody where you're like, oh, can you remember anything like that? Um, yeah, there was a couple of good, there was always some good duels along the way. Like Hong Kong was good. Hong Kong was one of those races where you just didn't know because as you know, you've done it, you go out to the, you go out to the nine pins, the island, so you paddle into it for a bit and then you get a really good downwind and then you hit the kissing whales and you hit the Stanley Harbour and you've actually got to paddle into a like a flat headwind. So depending on how you're feeling and how much fuel you've got left in the tank, like guys could lose three spots just or more coming into that last 5K. So, but yeah, there'd always be people close by or you'd get someone... <clears throat> Yeah, you could sort of like, you'd have that little tussle or you'd see where someone is and you go, all right, in, I want to be, if I was behind, I'd be like, oh yeah, right, I'm going to be, by the time we get to the turning point, I want to be level with them. And then it's like, right, from there I know I've got more something like that. Like, here's a good one. Paul, you ask your mate, Brucey Taylor, poor Bruce, the poor bastard. You know this one? You would have seen this one over at the doctor. Oh my yeah. God. Anyway. This, so, I feel sorry for Bruce because he had an absolute cracker race. Like he was in front for so long in this doctor. And this it was 2011, year, right? Oh, uh, whichever year it was. The year he could have won it, but he didn't. He had it in his hand. <laughs> it, was like, it was like the two gangly guys running at the beach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mate. And I'm not a runner at the best. I'm not a runner. Like, because like we came, like, with that race, he was out in front, and then it's sort of like one of those ones, like I said, it's like, right, we've got 
4K to go, because you race with your garments on, so you know how far the race is, you sort of know how far you've got to go. And it's like, right, 4K to go, or 6K, it's like, right, he's in front, he's got 100 metres on me or something, right? By 4K or 3K to go, I want to try and catch him. And it's sort of like just start chipping away. And then sort of like we had like a K or 2K to go, and I'd pulled up and I'd caught him, and we sort of sort of came together with like 500 metres to go. And it's like, he'd had a cracking race, he was in front. And then we were just run for run like I couldn't get away from him that last 500 he couldn't get away from me and the chopper was above us and stuff and the footy. and then just that last bit coming into the beach that run finished I didn't even know it was Bruce until like 100 meters to go when I looked across and it's like oh, I could be in trouble here like Bruce is a former board paddler so he can run they're meant to run like ski paddlers aren't noted for their running prowess yeah. just have a look at our long backs they don't there's no ass so we haven't got the power to actually get off and run but yeah, so like I just had to give it everything. So we hit the beach pretty like we hit the coming into that little shorey at double at in um Sorrento there. And it was just like I just put the hammer down and just pulled over this little runner, this little wave in front of us, and it gave me like a meter. And I just, it was all I needed to say, yeah. So I got the the run up the beach. That was pretty awesome, that one. I'm sorry, Bruce, if you listen when you listen to this, sorry, Bruce. But yeah, it was pretty I, good. It I was actually watching this. <laughs> I'm watching Rambo's footage um, just before we came on, and um, there's actually the the footage up there on Surfski Info. So if you want to check that out, go on um, Surfski Info. There's just type in Tim Jacobs, and there's a whole bunch of stuff because I couldn't find anything. I think Tim Jacobs paddling now is like a a, a, yeah, a clothing there. site or something. No, it's it's something. I don't know what it is, but it's not. Oh, really? It's not about you. Um, and yeah, there was a lot there. of. I let that one go. There was a lot of stuff that was uh, on there on the webs on the internet. But did you win the doctor more than once? Yeah, I won that twice. And what was the other year that you yeah. won it? Uh, the other, so I think that was the first year I won it, that run up the beach with Bruce. And then the second year, um, well, I suppose like as we were talking before, it's sort of like, all right, I knew that I knew what I needed to do. I sort of knew what I had to do and when I needed to go and how to actually plan the race. And the second year sort of was, I'm pretty sure there was Jasper, Clint and I, and there was, we were all come, we were all pretty much together with about eight k to go, and that's sort of like, all right, sort of time to make a move here. And sort of with six k to go, I sort of put the foot down and and paddled away from them and won it by I don't know hundred meters maybe or something like that. So yeah. yeah, they were the they were the two I won over that one. Yeah, and was that and that was kind of like a, a always a big race for the sport as well. I think the doctor must have started back in like two thousand and seven or something like that, or maybe early. I'm not sure. But it was always a big event for the sport, and as it is yeah. now, it's kind of like the pinnacle race, I think, for a lot of people. What was it like winning that race for the first time? Um, I was pretty good. Like it was awesome. Like in the style that I won it, running up the beach off um, from Bruce, and it was always good. Like you'd run up the finishing chute, there was people on the beach cheering for you and stuff like that, so it was good. But yeah, it's an awesome race. Like as you know, you get the ferry across in the morning, and then you hang around, and then you you do that race and predominantly it's the 95 98 percent downwind race so and the runs are great the cooking runs brew <laughs> yeah as our south african <laughs> friends would say south african boys whoop, whoop. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah so yeah so you really enjoyed the downwinding aspect of it but did you do any flat water style paddling like were you did you ever jump in a kayak and, and compete in kayaks i know you, oh, you were coaching Murray yeah, for a while. I tried to, yeah i jumped in the kayak Early, I jumped in the kayak primarily for cross training because it's sort of like, well, 
I was always the one, and especially like when I did go and coach with the coach the kayakers for a while, it was always like technique. It's like if you have the better technique, you're going to beat someone every day. So if some if you've got a twin and you're both mentally as strong as each other, physically as strong as each other, and have and both have the same skills, but if your technique is better, you're going to win every day of the week. That's just what it is. So I got into the flatwater kayaking to improve my technique so that it could improve my paddling. So yeah, I gave the kayaking a go for a while. Um, yeah, I did it as cross training and then got into racing it. I thought, oh, you know, why not? Let's have an Olympic dream and see if we can make it. I made the Aussie team in 05 and then that was it. It's sort of, they wanted, I had a mortgage and kids early on and sort of, they wanted you to paddle full time. And it's like, well, it just didn't, just didn't work together. So I chose the family and the mortgage and work over it. And, because I could still do it cross training, I just didn't have the time to put in for what they wanted. So I loved it; it was good, but not, yeah, not for me at the end of the day. Yeah, it so, wasn't yeah. for me either. So yeah, don't worry, you're preaching to the choir. But when you're talking about um, your training, obviously for the kayaks, but you, when you when, once you left kayaks, I know it's a pretty demanding schedule. Um, what you what you're doing when you are in those Australian teams? Because I was lucky enough actually to go away with you actually on one of the trips but yeah you love it you love the fun police yeah yeah yeah, absolutely um well let's let's just talk about you right um so once you once you moved away i got plenty of good stories but (laughs) this this this, i'm interviewing you right that's just how we're doing this i'll bring Uh, that's all right i'll bring i'll drop them i'll drop them okay okay so um once you finish the kayaking and, and you're sort of moving into the family life and the mortgage and sort of finding that sort of training work-life balance. Like what was a training week looking like for you in those years, say 2009, 2013, where you are winning a lot of those races that you're putting your name down on? Um, probably, I think we paddled for maybe four or five times a week on the ski in the morning. Um, and then I'd probably go and try and lift some weights a couple of times a week. So that was about it. I wasn't huge on cross training. I did a bit of boxing here and there just because I thought that was some good cross training, which is great cross training. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so probably Monday mornings off and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday mornings we'd train early and then Saturday, Sunday we'd get out on the skis out off the beach and yeah. then a couple of gym in the afternoon, I think. That was about a training week and then working around like your 40 hour week with that so and what were you doing for and you were carpentry at them at that stage and yeah, you're building yeah. now or yeah residential build... yeah residential building yeah the whole time yeah yeah oh, you've got to lift lots of uh, lots of weights all day so you just be you're just a machine life life is a training session mate i love it <laughs> <laughs> that's what you want to hear and so how did you get in, involved in coaching because if you get up your, your sort of your kayaking in 2005 and you start getting a little bit more heavily into ocean ski paddling even though you've probably done you dabbled in it back when mm. you were about 20 um what what sort of brought you into coaching and what sort of made you make that sort of um, uh, i guess change it was more just a sea change i think um i've been building for probably 12 12 or 14 years or something like that. Like the guy Wilding was the, was the coach at N Swiss. And um, yeah, he decided to, to resign from that. And there was an opening. I thought, oh, you know, just for a bit of a sea change, I'll give it a go. It was still, there was still that thrill in the back of the mind. It's like, I oh, imagine being able to go to the Olympics coaching someone. 
and you know, Murray was a sure thing, so why not? Hey, I just think yeah. just ride his coat, <laughs> just yeah. ride his coattails. But um, no, it was. It was like Murray was a really good mate back then, and we still are now. And um, it was, yeah, one of those ones. It was just like, yeah, do it for a sea change, get in there and do it. So um, yeah, it was good. Like I was still enjoying the paddling. I'd get out. It was quite good. The squ- we had a pretty awesome squad down at Narrabeen Lake there training. So there's Joe Brigden Jones down there, as you know, Murray, uh, Simon McTavish was there and a few other young guys coming through and young guys and girls. And um, yeah, it was good. It was sort of one of those ones, I think, because throughout my time as a surf, as a ski paddler, I was always riding my own sessions. So it was, I could sort of turn in, but it also was a really good challenge for me to become more of a coach in terms of look, deeper into like that full holistic approach to coaching where like as a manager you've got to draw on you've got to draw on this the bit of information here and information there you've got your on water training you've got your your land training your gym training and then being able to put it together and manage athletes at the same time and um yeah just how much you could get out of an individual so in that way it was quite challenging and we had some great relationships um, I had some great relationships with the guys and girls in the squad. Um, we had a lot of fun along the way, but also very serious because, as you know, like they were training. There was a few Olympians in that squad there. So, um, yeah, they asked a lot of me. I asked a lot of them. And, yeah, it all worked out pretty well. So you obviously enjoy doing that. And as you said, like it made you sort of look at what you were doing and go, right, how do I step that back? And how do I break that down to go, well, this is why you're doing it, right? Like it, when you're training, you're just doing it because you know it works and you're like, oh, that's, that's how I feel good. But then you have to, if you go back into the biomechanics of it or whatever, you're sort of going, okay, well, why does that work? And how will that work for this athlete? And how will it not work necessarily for this athlete? Because they're training for something different. And I think, I think learning and studying and being a beginner, I guess, in a way, because you're a beginner coach, it's kind of an exciting thing, an exciting prospect. Yeah, well, yeah, it was just like that. It was good. It was like you just couldn't do a blanket program and think, oh, yeah, everyone's going to succeed. It was like you had to really tailor it. Even though you're training everyone as a squad, you really had to tailor it for each individual, those key members of your squad, and make sure that they kept improving and kept reaching their goals and suppose their training targets that you know that the progression was there and that they were hitting all their markers and they were going to achieve their goals yeah that did kill me a lot yeah well no that just that did kill me when i was doing um a lot of training in those big squads even going through swimming or surf life saving or whatever it was even kayaking and you're sort of just doing this blanket program for a lot of the time you're like I just don't feel like this is right for me. And that's something that I learned when I stepped away from kayak and started coaching myself. I was like, oh, well, this is what I actually need to do. Like, why wasn't I doing that already? And it was just really frustrating, the process that you sort of went through after you finished. Yeah, and it is hard like that because, yeah, you do, like, you do have those those top performance athletes and you do need to tailor it for them. So in terms of, like, younger guys coming through, it's like, okay, you can adjust it where you can change training, like, rest times Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and the volume. But at the end of the day, it's like you guys need to realise that this is what you need to do, very similar to this, to be the best. So you can't keep saying, oh, well, we'll have two minutes rest when he's when Muzzy or Joe's only having one. It's like you need to be able to step it up at some point and get there. Good to see the families in the background. Is he a young man? Uh, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, Jaya's 13 now, so he's just finishing. I got one more day of school tomorrow, and then they're out of there. Oh, sorry, he's 14. <laughs> Four kids, mate. And what's it like having four kids, mate? You got I think you're spanning between sixteen and, and nine or eight or something like that. Are they yeah, are they so all yeah. boys? No, no. So Toby's fifteen, he gets to start driving next March. So yeah, that's gonna be an interesting one. Uh Jai's fourteen, Lola's thirteen, and Darcy's eight. So hang yeah. on. No, Lola might be twelve. Yeah, Lola's twelve. <laughs> I'm getting your kids, your kids' ages wrong, mate. <laughs> mate, it's hard. Are, are you one of those older? Are you one of those old people now as well? And you sort of list your kids in the opposite order until you get to the right one. Nah, I wear. Oh, bloody hell, Toby! I mean, Darcy. Come on, yeah, Darcy, that one. No, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> not yet, anyway. No, it does happen. It does happen occasionally because someone's usually like with four kids. There's always like someone's been. There's always like a couple that are good and a couple that have been a bit like shit. So it's like if you just like if it and it changes, it changes by the hour sometimes. So you're like, oh, he's been a shit, and just straight away like that name comes off his tongue, and it's like, oh, sorry, that was the person that was being a shit an hour ago. Now you're now you're they're good now, and now you're being a pain in the ass. Yeah. So it was like, yeah. But they yeah, always, you always funny. work out which yeah, one. It's always entertaining. Yeah, yeah, and it's always entertaining. And and how did you find that balancing? Um, obviously, work and, and and coaching and training and. And all the different stuff like bringing up four kids, like you still you would have had those or most of those, yeah. And you were still going into Dubai and Hong Kong and these places and, and going over for the Olympics and that type of thing. How did you manage that balance? So I think a lot of the listeners generally struggle to necessarily get their sessions in because they got that for those family commitments or they've got the mm. the work commitments and that sort of stuff. Like, how do you juggle all of that, or how did you juggle all of that? I had an I have an amazing wife, mate. Boom, right there, Renee. Uh, there. Honestly, I'll cut this like, and send it to her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll still say it. Um, yeah, no, like when, like as you know, like when the kayaking, the flat water, they ask a lot of you. So it's like they expect three months overseas every year. And that's what we were doing. And like Renee was on all of the kids. Renee, this is Lola. Hey, Lola, how are you? <laughs> Lola just lives in a pajama. She likes her pajamas and a bed, but she's very sporty. She's is she the 13 or the 12 year old? Or you can't work that out yet. 12. You're 12, Lola? Yep, 12. Got the nod. Okay. Who yeah. knows? So, um, yeah, and it was just, yeah, Renee was amazing. It was like, it was so hard on her, but she got through it. And because, like, you'd ring up, like, I'd ring up at certain times. It'd be like, oh, you know, you'd always be up for a chat. It's like you'd ring in the morning. It's just like, I don't want to talk to you now because I'm trying to get the kids off to school. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. Do they really love me? It's like, yeah, they do. It's just like, it's just, they've got four other people to look after and I'm just over there fluffing around. Yeah. Sitting in my hotel room looking after like one athlete. Yeah, we well, were in that palace in Zolnok, so you just live in like a king, yeah. obviously. <laughs> oh, weren't we all? Don't yeah. we all remember the Loznok? <laughs> oh, what a place. What a place. It, was, it definitely oh, wasn't for me. Oh, mate. I don't know why more people don't go and visit that place. Should be on. It should be more, the Lonely Planet. Should do a feature on it. I think one of the good things about well, for me, one of the good things about going to that trip was actually staying in Zolnok, and we were there for probably six weeks. Or I was there six weeks. I think you guys were doing three months, something like that. And I was like in the junior team, and then just got flown into the senior team like at the last second. But geez, it was um, it made me 
appreciate ocean ski and wanted to do SUP so much more because of the beautiful places you get to do, go to, as you, yeah. you spoke about before, because it was just amazing, right? And then when we did these, these kayaking stuff, it just wasn't the same. And I, and I didn't have the, the mental fortitude, I guess, to put myself through that to get to those yeah. Olympic like, goals. And, and I have the greatest respect for the guys who can do that because it's yeah. just something oh, that it's amazing. Yeah, they're so self-driven to be it. And like, as you know, a lot of top athletes come across and they're a bit selfish and, you know, and they're not always that friendly. Like, but they're so focused on what they're doing. It's like, yes, they'll let people into their inner circle, but they need to sort of trust you first and know that you're not going to distract them from their end goal, which is could be Olympic gold. Yeah. So, yeah, they are yeah. really self-motivated in that regard. But the same, so like you're saying, it's just, those places, it's just, it's not stimulating. For someone like you and I, it just wasn't stimulating. It wasn't a stimulating training environment where you're like, oh, I loved it. It was like, how good is this? We punched through the surf or we did that. It's sort of like, that's salt water. There's more salt water in our blood than the fresh water. So, yeah, it was just wasn't good. Like, I remember going to Croatia when I was on the kayak team. And you're like, yep, we're going to Croatia. Mate, we stayed in a hotel on the side of a highway in the middle of nowhere. And we went to a lake to paddle and then it's like oh isn't croatia meant to be like one of the most beautiful countries like didn't see it didn't see it yeah it was like come on yeah you didn't get to go exactly to the tourist places where the uh the scene is i guess no there was no coastline there was a there was a there was sort of like an edge to the lake but there was no coastline yeah yeah, I remember going to, yeah, going on those trips and it was just like so unstimulating for someone like me who just like can't, I can't really stop doing stuff. Like I'm constantly yeah. having to do stuff. Like it just, it just, it's in my nature when, and you'd be like, no, you have to go to your room and rest. And I'd be like, I'm just going to ride down and get coffee. And they're like, no, 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 it's too much. You got to go home and rest. And like, yeah. that was sort of like, <laughs> that was sort of like the level that was expected. And that's like, yeah. obviously really worked for a lot of people. For me, it was just like, whoa, this is like, I don't know. I just, yeah, yeah. It, it just wasn't, it wasn't working for me, but yeah, I, I think it's really respecting like those Olympic athletes who do those four year cycles and fully commit and, and obviously sometimes get success and, and most of them don't actually succeed. So it's a, it's a credit to those guys. That's for sure. Yeah. It's a, yeah. They're amazing. Anyone that reaches the top of the game and the sacrifices they make are like, they're phenomenal, like yeah. phenomenal athletes, mentally, physically, just what they can put in and just switch off to make it happen is amazing. And probably the athlete you've worked the most with is Murray Stewart. And I think he's a good friend of yours as well, but what sort of, what sort of athlete, what sort of, what was he like as an athlete and how did you sort of, I guess, create an individualized approach to the way that he raced and, and the way that he could be? Cause I think you coached him definitely in 2012, but did you do 2008 as well? Yeah. No, not eight. So no. Yeah. from like 2011 to when the start of 2017 yeah was yeah yeah was how when i coached him so i suppose to someone yeah like murray he was very self-motivated like a lot of top level athletes are they're very self-motivated so in terms of coaching an athlete like murray it's like there's a lot of it's more managing them it's sort of like it's sort of like putting it all together like you said it's like not like when you use the when you're saying you know you've got to rest there it's like actually getting them to rest and making them understand that that is an important part of their training like going and having a sleep for four hours is as important as going out there and absolutely smashing yourself for 16k or something doing a really hard like high intensity like lactate threshold or anaerobic threshold session so 
it was um yeah manage, managing him in terms of everything in terms of what he did on the water off the water you know he didn't always listen and some ideas were probably not that good but um but to most get yeah yeah most of them no, they're brilliant mate they're brilliant <laughs> he'll dispute that but my ideas were brilliant yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so it is yeah keeping them motivated and keeping them keeping them focused on the end game because like you said it's a four-year cycle so it's a long time you have sort of you have nationals each year but every the olympic cycle is their goal so they nationals is sort of like a stepping stone for them because they are at that that level so to get to keep so you sort of keep those benchmarks going and it's like all right this season we're going to do x next season we're going to do y because it's going to get us to z in four years time so it's keeping it like giving them that motivation in smaller in shorter segments for the the four-year term i suppose and how do you keep them motivated for four years? Obviously, as you say, Murray's like is, is self-driven, but if you might have had other athletes where you've had to bring them sort of and keep them motivated for that whole four-year period, because like they might go on and say, like, if you do go on to 16 in 2013, they might be, oh, I don't really want to do much, or 14, they're like, no, I'm not really there yet. And then 15, they start crapping yeah. the crack. But how are they all they always motivated all the way through? Because you've only really got a couple of GPs, nationals, and then the World Cups and then Worlds, right? Yeah, so that like pretty much they're motivated the whole time, but but that's how you, like going back to like how you tailor their training program. So they'll have an Olympic year, and then the next year it's like oh, okay, this can be we can chill a bit and just go back to sort of ba- like not basics, but let's go in and build some base. So they the first year of an Olympic cycle compared to the last year looks very different on paper in terms of the training they do. Um, just in terms of like volume, intensity, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so it's it's keeping the training environment and keeping the sessions fresh and sort of different and challenging for them, so that they can keep that motivation and they know that okay, this year I'm doing this because this is going to benefit me next year, and next year is going to benefit the next year, and the following year is going to get me to the top. You want to say hi, Darth? No, my little grommet. He's, uh, he's grommet. crawling around. He'll, he'll, he'll get there, though. Right? It just takes him a while to get comfortable, you're right? Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I talked you up, Renee. Renee just walked past, just telling her I talked her up. Yeah. I'll, 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 just, I'll just cut that out so then I can tell her that you've been lying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so you worked with Murray. Um, and you, Did you work with any other key athletes through that period, or was it just mainly you? Um, yeah, Joe Brindon Jones. Yeah. yeah, Joe Brigden Jones was the other one that was that was up there, and she went to a couple of Olympics as well. She went to London. She missed Rio, but she's also but she's qualified. Like missed Rio by like oh skin of a teeth type thing. Her and Floody Naomi Flood had a race had a race off over in one of the last World Cups to get the final spot. So pretty tough for her missing out on that one. But um yeah another yeah Joe's another phenomenal athlete, very self motivated, and again man- managing her as an athlete was important and keeping like she kept me on my toes in terms of you know well, why are we doing this session you know well, how's this going to benefit me and it's like oh, okay this is going to benefit you because yeah. of this and it's going to this is the this is the result that we want at the end of this session so yeah it was really good for me because they kept me on my toes and kept challenging me which i really liked 
Yeah. And did you, and did you feel competitive through your athletes as well? Like, is, is it sort of like a, not like an, a, a replacement to racing, but sort of like a, an in addition to, and you're able to really push yourself as a, as a coach to try and get the best out of your athletes. And you, um, did you really wear a lot of that or were you just sort of like there to support not, them and their dreams? Not really. They're just like, I was, I what more motivated. Yeah. It was more like I was stoked to see them succeed. That was awesome. But it wasn't like, Oh, yeah, they're amazing. It means I'm amazing. It was like, no, nah. at the end of the day, they're on the line. All I'm doing is giving them the tools for them to succeed. And yeah. And it was all at the end of the day, it was all them. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. Uh, the uh, the and their success is their success. Yeah, it's it's just definitely I think important to sort of appreciate the athlete for what they are and then if they and they and they need you in certain ways and, and you're sort of saying you how you're managing them, but you're also telling them how the session sort of um, helps them and then mentally sort of controlling them. So you're sort of doing that real holistic way of coaching. And I think that's well what I like to do, and I think that's something that you need to have as a coach and um, I think it's yeah. really cool. So, and what think, made you? Yeah, and as, and as, yeah, as an athlete, like, and it's good for the athlete to have buy-in. So, I think if you can have, if you can create that relationship where you have that trust with the athlete, and they trust you that you've got their best interests at heart as well, you get, you'll get more out of the experience, and they'll definitely get a lot more out of it as well. Where they feel that they also have ownership in terms of where they're where the direction that they're going in. So because yeah. they're across, like you're both across it and you're both on the same, which is what you need in any sort of team is like everyone, if you all aim, if that's the end goal, everyone needs to be across it and it's fine and then everyone knows what they're doing and how to achieve it. Yeah, and you were coaching up until 2016, I think, and you went to Rio <clears throat> or did you stop just before then? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then how was no, the Rio campaign? Rio. Um, yeah, Rio was awesome. It, Rio was very different to London. In London, Murray was the the focus was the K4. He was also had the K1 spot, but um, yeah, the K4 was priority there. And but yeah, Rio he decided to go it alone, have a good crack at the K1 because in London he ended up getting sick just before um, before London, just like as he got to London, like he has like he's not hasn't got the best immune system, so like yeah. changing environments and stuff really played a toll on him. So he was actually, yeah, he was almost on his deathbed the day before they won gold in that K4. It was pretty amazing. And then, um, yeah, with Rio, we sort of, we got to, on our own. So we could sort of like, okay, where do we want to, where do we want to base ourselves and train? And sort of like, it's all on us here to make, to make this happen. So very different. Yeah, we stayed in Italy over there, which is pretty nice. A great training environment, um, sort of away from most of the people. Um, yeah, it was yeah different, but yeah, really positive. Yeah, yeah, less distractions, and that's where the I think the girls' mm. squad's been training for a long time, and do the guys still yeah, training in Zolnok? Is that still sort, of, sort of their base? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure that's yeah. where they still are. Yeah, and then just sort of after the after the 16 campaign, um, how did Murray go there? And and then what sort of what 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 sort of made you sort of go right? I'm gonna go back to building, and I've had enough of this. Oh, my athletes let me down. That's why I quit. <laughs> no um it was no rio yeah rio was awesome um yeah murray murray ended up fourth like it's a very bitter pill to swallow to finish fourth yeah and especially with um some of like 
Oh, no, I can't say it. Like, casting accusations. But, you know, some of the athletes did look completely legitimate um, that were in front. So, like, a couple of uh, just came out of nowhere. And it's like, what, where, what is going on here? Um, but, yeah, he, like, amazing Sammy paddled it the way he did, like, paddled it perfectly like he was meant to. And then the final, I think he just tightened up that last 250 and where they came over the top of him. And he ended up fourth. So, you know, it was, yeah, I felt horrible for him because it's sort of like, like he's blaming me. And it's like, well, it's like, all right, how do you take the blame for this? And then trying to get him to sort of look like, feel better. Like he's just dedicated, not the last four years, but like the last eight years, 10 years of his life to get to this point. And to yeah. come so close, yeah. it was pretty, it was pretty heartbreaking to see to see him after the race and that so and how do you yeah, deal just, with that as a coach um i think it was sort of lucky we were good mates um not lucky we were good mates i think as a coach it's sort of like you, you sort of you got to let them sort of run it like murray's very thinks things through a lot so yeah going through his head you know what happened what could have changed how to how did I do it? Could I have done something different? It's like very thinks it like goes goes through it all, analyzes it. But you know, I think at the end of the day, it was just not his perfect race, as opposed to like some like as opposed to his semi. But that's what it is. It's like that's what it is. Four years, one race, and that's what it yeah. comes down. You've got to put it on the line. So yeah, yeah it's, it was it's pretty a real heartbreaking key, right? to see it. Oh, definitely. Like. The guys that do win gold, it's amazing. Like for them to win gold in London is phenomenal. And to come yeah. so close again, I yeah. think, in a different event was another phenomenal effort. Phenomenal effort, just not the result that he really wanted. Yeah, I think it's just, it just is that, right? Like, because all these things for the Olympics have to come together. Like, you have to have four good years of preparation. You have to be feeling good on the day. Your preparation has been excellent. You're mentally strong. You get the right lane draw. Like you get a good start. Like, and all these things can go wrong in these, like, I guess it's just like a, it's just a time trial against yourself. You are racing people, of course, and they're pushing you to yeah. get the best out of yourself. But at the end of the day, you, it is just a time trial. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's what it comes down to. And so, yeah. So many elements, like the stars have to align to get that gold medal. It's just yeah. what it comes down to. And and that, and that I think, as you know, as any athlete, you've got to, even on a bad day, you've still got to be unreal. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to be able to make it happen when it, when it counts. And, and that's what it, um, I guess you get judged on as an athlete. And that's why that every four years, it's, it is such a every spectacle and seeing those athletes get across the line. Can you, I feel like you can't hear me right now. Is there something going on with the audio? Can you hear that music? No, I, I like can't hear the music. Like was running out of no, oh, there was music playing. Cause I think the kids were playing music in the car on the phone on the way home. And it, I just started having like hooked on a feeling start playing in my, in my ear. <laughs> Don't worry. I've had, I've had, I've had music music come through on mine and two phone calls as well. I'm like, cause they both connected and it's like, yeah. Oh, I'm trying to like turn yeah. one off and then try and work out what you're saying. So it's always quite challenging. The airplane mode doesn't work when it's yeah. on Wi-Fi. I always forget that. But um, yeah, so we've uh, spoken heaps about your coaching period and sort of that was sort of like the, the next phase for you. But we spoke about the doctor, um, Hong Kong, Bai Shamal, but 
probably 20 beaches is where you stamp your mark the most, right? Like that was the event that has been around the longest. I think it's been around for like 30 years or so. And there's a lot of good names on that trophy, including yours six or seven times. What was it like to yeah. win that race for the first time? Because you must have won in like early 2000s or around yeah, that period. So. Yeah, it would have been. Again, when you're like a little whippersnapper, I think. So, yeah, I was like the first, I think the first year I did it, I think I came third, maybe. And it was like, oh, that was pretty good. But it was like, again, behind a couple of Olympians. Um, and then another mate, John, o, good mate, John O'Chalmers, he won it the next year just in front of me. And it was like, oh, and then it was like, after that, I got it. And I think I got it a few times in a row. And, and so it was, yeah, it was cool. It's a really cool race. I mean, because like, as you said, like guys travel, like all the Aussies come to that race. So you get guys yeah. from WA, Queensland, all over New South, the New South Wales guys come along and do that race. And it is a really good race. The coastline that you get to race along is, is beautiful. And there's always, like, people whinge about the conditions. Like all ocean paddlers, they want it to be downwind all the time. Yeah, they want to be clean and groomed and, and there's no, yeah. no cutting and it's going to be yeah. perfect. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, I want yeah, I want six-foot runs behind me and I don't want to paddle. It's like, well, that's not going to happen. But that's even when I, you get six-foot runs behind you, right, it's, hard, it's just as hard or harder because you've got to try and link the next one or get around that one or whatever yeah, it is yeah, to get in yeah. front of those other guys. Like everyone goes to me, right. oh, like when I was paddling with you in the double, they're like, oh, like you just paddle so much harder than I expected. Like, I'm like, yeah, because like as soon as you start going faster, you're going faster. Like all these guys who say that you put your paddle down, you're resting on these big runs. Like it just doesn't happen unless you're out there doing 340s. Yeah, no, that's right. You paddle your ass off. It's like if a run's there, you chase it. That's the thing. Mm. You don't wait for the one behind you. You've got to go for the one. Like you chase the one in front. And then you're trying to get over the one in front as well. So it's, yeah, your foot to the floor pretty much the whole time. Yeah. And, and when, and when you won that first one, what year was that? Oh, mate, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe like, yeah, 2001 or something, 2000. 2001, you reckon? I, I think we had the, um, the 20 beaches results up somewhere, <laughs> but. Um, They're probably on, Dan they'd be on Dino's website. Yeah, I think JR did a bit of a history lesson on his website. And I think they're all up there now. Okay. So, but um, so, but do you, know, do you remember who you were versing in that first city that won it? Uh, would have been, oh, Jezza would have been there. Dave Kassain would have been there. I don't know who, I don't know who else. Well, I've only got the yeah, winners. You know. So since uh, John O'Chalmers won 99, then you were at 2000, 2001. Kissar won in 2002. You won in 2003 and then it was cancelled in 2004. And then you won yeah. again in five, so I was six. So put that one down again because I was reigning champ. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. So we'll just give you another one. That's Asterix Tim Jacobs. Yeah, let's make it up. Let's just round it up. Yeah, make and then you won in yeah. six. Jezza won in seven. Maza eight. Jeremy again in 2009. And then you had Tim, you again in 2010. And then you got a tie. Oh, that year when you yeah. stopped for somebody and they gave you the... They gave you the equal, win. Equal. Oh, they gave me equal first with Jezza. Yeah, because you stopped for a, a nice paddler in... in distress, a damsel in distress. Yeah, yeah. So, what, so what, yeah. what, what, what was that paddler doing, and why did you stop? Um, <clears throat> so she was. Um, so the girls. So the, I think the doubles and the girls left before us, and um, yeah, I was paddling along. I think we we started at Freshy, so we we're heading north, and I got to north. 
early and they were just screaming, like just losing her mind. And um, like just, yeah, she was really distressed. And I was like, oh, shit, are you all, like, are you all right? And she's like, I can't, like, I can't do it, can't do it, I'm scared. And I was like, I'm just trying to calm her down. I remember Marty Kenny coming along and just going, oh, you know, do you want me to stay with her? It's like, oh, mate, I'm not, I'm not fussed. It's okay, I'll, I'll stay and look after her. And, you know, in the end, like, no IRBs came along or anything like that. Sorry, Lola's just come in with glue all over her fingernails and put them in dirt, put dirt all over them. <laughs> they look amazing, Lola. <laughs> so that's the kind of, yeah, that's the kind of way we roll around here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and then, um, yeah, she was just in distress and no IRBs were coming. So I ended up letting her flare off and waiting for an IRB to come and um, take it ashore. So, and then after that, it was like, while I was sitting there, it's like, you know, it's sort of, I wasn't sitting there going, shit, I've got to get going. And I was like, oh, oh well, it's probably my race. I'm all over here. But yeah. then got going again and I just started linking these runs up. And I'm like, like this is smooth. It's like, we're honking along here. And then I was just pushing it. And then next thing I know, I got to a whale beach headland. And like, I pulled up alongside Murray. And it's like, what the hell? I'm like, maybe I'm not that far behind. And then like, I could just see just in front, there was like, Jezza was there as well. And it was like, this is ridiculous. It's like, I've sat there for two minutes helping this helping this lady out. And it's like this chick out. And it's like, wow, I've almost caught everyone. So I was pretty yeah. stoked with that. And um, yeah, and then, yeah, I ended up getting awarded equal first with that, that one. So that was pretty cool. It was more like, I was just, the runs were phenomenal. Honestly, they were hooking. Yeah, that run the unreal that year, and so yeah, it would have been cool. Um, yeah, that was just what it was. Yeah, I think it's cool that that's, I guess, the spirit of the sport, right? Like you got to be there to help your friends and and the people in distress yeah. if, if they need it, because that's what we all do it for. And we want to have be sort of like masters of the ocean in a way. You want to have control, and you be able to to sort of stabilize somebody who's probably losing in those situations. So I think it's commendable what you did, and I think it's oh, cool yeah. that you sort of got the got the the victory because i don't think i'm gonna stop in a race for somebody i have never had that situation where someone's been oh, you're, dog, mate. you're a dog yeah just, I'm a dog. just stop and have a chat for a couple of minutes yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah so um but yeah that's pretty cool but um you always paddled um i'm pretty sure you always paddled the nello or you might have paddled something before that maybe you paddled on epic before that yeah um, i was paddling yeah epics before the nello and what did you find, um, not only about the skis, like and like the progression of the skis? I know you had a lot to do with the Nello, the 560 at the time, and obviously prior to uh, Oscar, I think he's involved now. But what was it about Ake using that ski? Because I know it was like kind of a custom for you, and not many people had it. Why did you like it? Um, that ski, it's sort of like I was paddling an epic and like loved the skis and stuff. They were really good. And, you know, I was getting to a point where it was like, oh, you know, I think I've had enough. Like, there wasn't too <laughs> too much like I sort of got to a point and there wasn't too much other progression as opposed to um except for like new equipment and craft. So yeah. Nello came along like Nello was huge in the flat water and stuff and they had awesome athletes paddling for them. They're a phenomenal company and stuff and the guys that work for them are really awesome. And um speaking with Andre, it's sort of like he's like, Oh, you know, we'd love to have you and stuff and so they brought out a long ski similar to like all the fens and the epics to start with and then he started playing around with a shorter ski and I got to have a little bit of an input as well on like when they were making the prototype and they brought this ski out and it honestly um my long it just 
increase my longevity in the sport because I was at that point just paddling like the long ocean skiers. It's sort of like, you know, I sort of probably had enough here. There's not much else happening. I've, I've done quite well. I'm pretty happy with what I've been able to achieve. And then they brought out this 560 and oh, it just blew my mind. It was like, it was like a K1 on steroids, but for the ocean. Yeah. So it was just, you were going back to like, like riding a normal surf ski, like this really, like this nice short boat that could sit in between the runs and get over them. It was so narrow and had so much volume. Behind. You could just pound, like you could basically jump it and skip it over the runs in front of you. So for me, yeah, that kept me in the sport for a few more years. Um, with that ski, yeah, there isn't too many around. I know Oscar's had a bit of import into it now and it's not as good, sorry. But yeah, the original was... Um, <laughs> but... On a, but Yours just, is obviously better. Yeah, 100% better. <laughs> but um, there's just... It wasn't, it wasn't a ski for the masses. Like, there's that many people that can actually sit on them and paddle it. So, um, yeah, I loved it. And just like it was tippy to start with, but then I just got used to it and it just got comfortable. Um, but yeah, so they made a new one and it's a bit wider and everything now, more caters for the masses, which is still a fun ski. But yeah, this little 560 was just, it was a duck's nuts. I loved it. Yeah. Loved no, it's, it. You got you to love your equipment. And I think having your own input into it and that type of things. Your headphones died, did they? Yeah. Can you still hear yeah. me? I can I'll hear you way better. I can actually hear you way better than I could before. So it's, it's actually perfect. <laughs> but now I can't see you. But anyway, now I got there you back. You go. But so when we're going to, um, I guess like for people out there listening, what is it about downwind paddling that you like the most? And how did you approach a downwind? So like, let's say like your, your home run, you're coming along the heads or you're going along the northern beaches and you're mm. backwash and, and you've got the, the sort of side swells and there's a lot of stuff going on. Like, what were you looking at and how are you approaching the runs? Um, uh, see, like my favorite place in the world to paddle is around North Head. So it's not generally like straight. It's definitely not straight runs the whole way around it. There's so much backwash. There's so much water moving. It was like it was challenging. And it was like it's like the Matrix where there's so many elements there and you've got to sort and you've got to find what's going to work. You've got to find the run. So, and then link it up. So it yeah. just, it like, it was still, like it was mentally stimulating as well to, to get these runs, to like find these runs in all this backwash and the sidewash and everything. And you might have a headwind on you, but you'd still be getting, be able to get runs from behind you and stuff. So it was, yeah, it was the ability and the challenge to find the run, to find the runs and make them work for you in all conditions. That's what I think that's what I loved about it. It wasn't just like, oh, you know, we're going out. It didn't matter what the conditions were. I loved it. It was like it yeah. could be dead flat. I would try and get the most out of myself. It could be howling wind. It could be a headwind, anything. I'd always be trying to get the most out of myself and find and make the conditions as work for me as best as I could. Yeah. So I, was and, never, I never wanted to. Yeah. Sorry. And just like it didn't worry like i could turn up to any race wouldn't worry me what the conditions were where people would mentally they'd already be broken like worried about the conditions not being the perfect runs or the wind wasn't as strong as what was predicted didn't care you train in all conditions you train in all conditions so why not race in all conditions 
Yeah, because I know you did a lot of um, races on the Sydney Harbour and you followed that Sydney Harbour series or, or whatever it was called. I think it mm. still might exist now and you won that a few times. And you, and you, did you win any like other international races? Like did you head over to Mauritius or South Africa or I know no. you went to Europe and did Portugal one year for 2013 for the yeah. Worlds. I think you got second to Sean. Yeah, Corey was behind me. Yeah, so... <laughs> But was there any races that you you really look back on and you just like that was that was the my best performance? Um, I don't know. Like I did Molokai quite a few times. That was Molokai was hard. Like Molokai was hard, like a really hard race. It was. It wasn't. I didn't find Molokai. I love a race. Like I love the tactics of going out there and competing with other people and having those nice classes. But my family test of endurance. So I like the closer races. So anywhere from like 12K to um, like 30K was great because you could really race it and have a good crack at it. And tactically, it was really good. Molokai was just founded as a grind. Not because I never succeeded in winning it, but it was just, I never got over there and just like, yep, smashed it. That was great. It was just like, oh, that was hard. Um, so yeah. Molokai for you, um, did you ever win the race? I know you said it was like, it was quite hard. It's quite no. challenging. It's long, it's hot. It's, <clears throat> it's all these different things, but yeah. why do you think you never won it? And did you go for many times to compete in it? Um, oh, there was always a better paddler than me on the day. Like the best I came, I got second one year to Hank. That was the year it was dead flat. And, um, I chased Hank and Clint across the channel and then Clint blew up. And then I chased Hank down, got to within a couple of lengths of him and he got a wave around Hawaii Kai and held that to the finish. Um, yeah, I always, I always progressed in Molokai. Like I started, I think I did my first race when I was 18. So I think I did Molokai about 10 times over my, over my career. So I always progressed. Like my, I got better every year and I got second. And then I came back like maybe a couple of years later and I got, fourth or something i'm like done that's it i'm not coming back again for that one i'm going backwards i'm getting yeah. too old so um no like honest like that race with against hank where i got second was probably the best my best year the best i felt in a in the race um it was dead flat and we were just grinding it the whole way but again but what i think i liked about it was i could i could see clinton hank in front of me the whole way and we just had and it was it was good like it gave me something to chase and gave, it was it was it was challenging being able to see someone the whole race because you do that race and as you'd know in some of your sub races you start after half an hour everyone disappears because they've all gone on different lines and the swell's really big and you can't see anyone and you come yeah. to the end on hawaii kai and the next thing you know there's six people around you and you're like where the hell did they all come and you're like your ass is hanging out and you're like dribble, a dribbling mess and you're cramping up and you're like, oh, I've got to try and sprint to the line and stay in front of them. So the year where I could see Clinton Hank, that, they, that was my most enjoyable year. And what year was that one? In oh, 2012? No, oh, no, probably before that, I think. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, no. so but for, for you, for the oh, so you had... Wait up, wait up. What's that? Hang on. Oh, you got no. your notes. There's a trophy. There's a trophy. <laughs> oh, cool. I think that was that says third in 2008. So let's say 2009. 
Why? Because it wasn't. Oh, because you got third. And then what did you not get third that year? Did you get fourth? No, I got third and then I got second. And then I must have got fourth the following year or something. Okay. All right. Well, that's. <laughs> There's a lot going on in the Jacobs household, yeah. isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, you didn't ever win that. Did that ever like play on your mind? Like, did you ever really want to win that race or were you were happy with um, the, the wet race that you, oh, win, mate, that was, you won? Yeah, like every, like everything that you do, like I'd love to succeed and I'd love to have won everything I went in, but you just couldn't. So like, I respect, like I was happy with the way I went because I respected the paddlers that were in front of me. Like they were phenomenal athletes and on the day they were better than me, which really it's sort of, motivated me to try and do better next time but it didn't yeah like it didn't worry me that I didn't win it because I respected the athletes in front of me and they're exceptional in their own right yeah and what was it about like I guess in general like about competition about ocean ski racing and about going out there and doing your best every time like what kept drawing you to that like I know you said you like you love being out in the ocean and you like getting up with your mates and going paddling it was never a chore it was a passion for you but you still mm. wanted to win, obviously. And you still had that, that winning sort of mindset and you, you're getting across that line and you're still wanting to be the champion each time. And where mm. do you think that came from? Um, I, I think I just wanted to see how good I could be. So it was, yeah, I'd line up and it wasn't, yeah, every, every race was different. Every race was different because of the conditions, because of the course, because of the distance. And it was a, a way that you'd put together your race plan and execute the race it was like, Oh, you know, let's see how good I can be. It's like, Oh, you know, if it's, it's like, let's see how far I can win by, or let's make sure if it's a close one, it's sort of like, you know, with 2k to go, I've got to make sure I can control this race and make sure that I'm even with 2k to go. And then I can put, I can lift to that next gear. So um, yeah, it was just more challenging myself to see how good I could be, I suppose. And when do you think that sort of went away? Like, like when you stopped racing and you sort of, like, when, when was the last time you won? When was the last time you won a race? And when did you know it was time to go to step away? Mate, I want to race the Sava. I ran to the car quicker than the kids. That's a win. <laughs> Chaffee, uh, yeah. you're one of those guys, aren't you? Like no kid, no, no other kids allowed to beat you in anything. Yeah. Hard, it's a hard life here. <laughs> but um, uh, I, don't, I think, it was just um, like I'd achieved a lot. Like I suppose for me, I'd achieved a lot. Um, you know, not coming like we're always active growing up, but it's not like we were, had a family, like parents that were champions. Like oh, you've got to live up to them or anything like that. It's just like you know, it was just like I was happy. I was happy with what I did. I loved doing it, and I never wanted to be one of those athletes that kept going beyond my time and then turned up and had a chip on my shoulder thinking, oh, you know, this, is, this isn't good these days because you say, oh, back in my day, races are run so much better. It was like, you know, I've done, like, like when I was coaching the kayakers, it was like, okay, I've done it. I've had a great time doing it. I think we've had some really good success. Same as my training and my racing. It's like, okay, I've done it. I've had some really good success. And I've stepped out of it while I was still loving it. And I think that's what's good. It's like I didn't stay there and then get frustrated with it or my ability not being as good as what it used to be or anything like that. It's like, okay, I knew I, you know, I didn't win everything, but, you know, I'm really happy with it. I've had some great 
times along the way and I met some awesome people and we've all had some really good respect for each other during our races and it's like well let's move on to the next thing so um yeah I'm never sitting around at home I'm still always out doing something but it's just yeah competitively it was like you know I've got the family it's like I wanted to spend more time with them yeah you just your focus has shifted and you just wanted to you've got you've got basically everything that you wanted out of the sport and and you've got everything you don't want to be bitter like going forward and I think that's yeah. a that's just a great way to, way to look at things and you can only get I don't know the maximum of your potential and you did amazing you got so many yeah. good results and you're able to coach yeah. amazing athletes and now your family is your main focus now yeah, that's right. Like I never went into the sport with an expectation. It was like, oh, you know, let's just see how good I can be. And it's like I yeah, achieved it. And it's like, all right, that'll that's that'll do. That's good and that's good enough for me. Yeah. Well, I think that's a that's probably a good way to end it um today, mate. I really appreciate your time. It's been great to catch up. It's been probably yeah. I can't remember the last time we had a phone conversation, probably like five years ago. So it's really good to connect again. You're hey? probably like I'll try and call Corey and he just doesn't answer. Yeah, well, you don't even call me. I've I messaged you like twice on Facebook. You didn't even respond, mate. Mate, I don't look at that stuff. That's for the kids. That stuff. I like how you like. I don't look at that stuff. Text me, and then you, I text you. You're like, I'm not ignoring you. All right, I'm not ignoring you. <laughs> all right, yeah. mate. I'll leave you to it. All right, Boothie. Thanks, mate. See you, everyone. Get on with the family. See you later. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, just and just lastly, a big thank you to everybody who's been following the Boothcast. Lola and Tim have been awesome guests today. <laughs> Uh, if you want to check out the uh, the podcast, go on <laughs> Spotify, Boothcast, or go on iTunes, check out Apple Podcasts. Um, if you want to watch these, they're doing some great faces. These are definitely getting put up. So um, thank you so much for the support. And um, if you want to check out any of these things, check them out. They're amazing. <laughs> 85 episodes. <laughs> you really throw me off my exit intro. Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. See you later. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>